Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's On the Spot. I'm Zach Strickland here with, as always, John Paul Hampstead. JP, thanks for having me on, Zach. Yeah, wow. it's great to be here. <laughs> I know another week, uh, and we've had some pretty significant uh, shift in the market. So in the previous we weeks, we were talking about how it really hadn't fallen apart like it had. Uh, you know, we were in January. Volumes traditionally softer in January. Right. You know, we expect it to slide out, um, but. Capacity really didn't show that until just recently. Like so, we, we last just week the we past started few falling. days we've seen a uh, pretty major deterioration in the outbound hitter rejection rate for the, for uh, the, the nation. Um, right, falling now. Uh, you know, we were talking about like you know, kind of holding steady at seven and a half percent, which is you know um, right at the level that should be supportive of higher spot rates right now it's dropped to like below six percent so it's like now you're like and it's still good it's probably going to go down further so it's like above five percent which is like yeah. very loose capacity um i think the the lowest it got last year was in august and it was about 3.3 percent right and uh so that's about as loose as it got last year now it had its undulations in there but yeah we are we are heading into february which isn't necessarily a high volume no, type capacity not. month either no it's not and um on the ch robinson earnings call uh ceo bob beasterfeld they have their kind of their own metric for sort of gauging capacity in the marketplace they talk about uh um, routing guide depth right so what is the average position in the routing guide that a load gets accepted um would they consider like 1.4 like a balanced market um but they said that uh right now it's like a 1.2 which is a, quite a loose market loose. um so and that's consistent that's been consistent right over the past few quarters so they, they kind of really see a return to normal um the other kind of interesting way to get at capacity, though, that, that um, some people have been talking about in our Slack channel is um, at least the way to get at capacity from the publicly traded companies' uh, right. data is to look at the uh, Landstar number of VCOs, the uh, owner-operators that lease on with Landstar. Um, they're sort of uh, contracted uh, operators right. or whatever. Um, huge fleet of owner ops. <laughs> yeah, and so that that tends to move up and down with the sort of industry as a whole. And that's come down. I mean, it's still they still have like something like I want to say like 9200 BCOs mm -hmm. um, and that but it's come down by several hundred um, uh, Q3 to Q4. So why does the decline of BCOs have a significant what what is that telling us? It's um it's I think it's I mean, I think it's telling us that People that are trying to make it on their own are not uh, not either not profitable enough, or they have higher costs, or whatever. That they're that they're leaving the industry. Um, I think that it's it's like when, when people feel um, when, when sentiment is high, and um, people expect growth and rate inflation in the trucking market, that's when they tend to, people tend to strike out on their own and start driving for themselves. You traditionally see this uh, transition from larger fleet to smaller fleet to owner-op. It's like a waterfall of yeah. people that go when you start to see the, the market heat up, higher spot market rates, everybody gets excited. Right, and so when the owner-op market tightens up, that, that maybe that's a leading indicator that um, some capacity is starting to leave the market. Um, which which would conform to our expectations, you know. There's always the the risk of kind of confirmation bias, but right. it wasn't that, like 
So, I think some long-term industry watchers had kind of told us to look at this number, and I think it's been it's, pretty interesting. I think one of the things that is shocking about this, though, is the fact that it takes such a long time for us to really see this materialize. Yeah. Like, we've been watching it for a long time. It really does. We were, we were looking back in early 2019, and we were looking at used truck prices, and they were still, like, elevated. They were still getting propped up. There was still a lot of people. I, I mean, I remember I heard somebody was like, dude, there's no way they're buying a truck right now. They absolutely were still buying trucks early in 2019, even though the conditions showed us that that probably wasn't the best time. Yeah. But the financial cycles of things, you know, think about your budgets that you're making, you know, you're making plans. Like, I think we talked about it last week. You buy a car, you don't set that up like Wednesday and then go out to the lot on Thursday. You know, you're making this decision over a long period of time. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're looking for a driver. You're talking to customers. You're comparing models. You're you're getting your money together, um, et cetera, et cetera, and and thinking about where you're going to operate and why. And yeah, it it isn't it isn't like a spur of the moment thing. And of course, um, exiting the the industry is also not a spur of the moment thing. Um, so it it does take a long and even you know the way that. Even the way that like the economy reacts to a Fed decision or, or something like that, like right. takes you know six months um, for, for things for to trickle down. Really, the, the impact um, of the so decision. it's on the one hand, it's not surprising, but it's it. You would think that like with um, faster news cycles and transportation, with more data, that things would start to inflect quicker. But I think there's just so many moving parts and so many decision makers and. You know, what we can talk about like national average spot rates, but of course, no one's actually like very few, no owner operator is exposed to the national average spot rate. True. Um, yeah, no, and, and those are aggregate or indexes. They're not necessarily in the moment. Like, you know, that your rate from Dallas to Atlanta is moving, that you're running every day or, right. you know, every other day. Uh, but you don't know what that means in the context of the bigger, bigger right. picture. Right. So, um, you know, there have been different. Um, Rate environments and volume um, stories in different parts of the market, and I think that, I think that also kind of delays and waters down any kind of like sudden snapback. A lot of anecdotal evidence, you know, somebody has a hot spot over in the West Coast, they get excited. Or they have a customer that's not particularly price sensitive. Right, cyclical customer who's pretty stable. Yeah, they don't move a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, the market has been pretty pretty stable, I would say, even though it's been a a very soft market, but it's been relatively stable for the last uh, several months. Yeah, volumes year over year are pretty flat. I think they're up 20 basis points uh, over um, year ago levels. Which is nothing, effectively. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a flat Yeah, it's market. flat, it's flat. Um, and although I, I have talked to freight brokers who said that spot rates are crashing again and with capacity loosening. So, you know, that's something to look out for. I think the, the other big downside risk that we should talk about is what's happening in the uh, Southern California ports. Yes, so uh, just recently, actually today, we were watching the O-Tri fall off a cliff, if you will. Uh, Fell back under, you know, I think it went all the way back down to October levels uh, overnight. Fell from roughly Uh, 4.9% down to under 4% and and one move. Um, You know, but volumes didn't reflect that. So it wasn't necessarily just volumes crashing. Uh, but you know, we have the uh, the port of Los Angeles Long Beach out there. Chinese right. New Year was this week. Right. Um, and that has an impact, but it doesn't impact the freight market right away. 
has about a four to six week lag before it really impacts us. So the stuff that's going on in China right now, we're not going to see that in, in practice until probably late February. Um, and this coronavirus situation, I mean, we're, we're, it's starting to escalate quite a bit, correct? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's always important to keep in mind that there's about a 15-day transit time from Shanghai to L.A., mm-hmm. That's and that's direct. That's if they go straight, which they, they never do. So a lot of times they'll they'll hit, um, uh, you know, Prince Rupert first in British Columbia, which is actually the shortest route to Asia, and then kind of work their way down right. Oakland, um, L.A., something like that. So it can take, you know, three weeks even, even um, to get to L.A. Uh, but we did see a report this morning from um, the Maritime News site Splash Two Four Seven that. Uh, Chinese ports are starting to declare force majeure um, with regard to the coronavirus. Now, force majeure essentially means that due to external factors and circumstances out of your control, you're not going to be able to make your contracted obligations. And these port operators are saying that because of the quarantines, because of the the limitations placed on uh, freedom of movement, and you know curfews and everyone being told to stay inside their houses due to coronavirus outbreaks they're essentially running out of stevedores dock workers and truck drivers to um move freight in and out of the ports and right. things are getting congested and slowing down um, you know coronavirus uh confirmed infections are around ten thousand now so and they're not really slowing down um we expect this to get worse for the next month, basically. Wow. So it, it, compare it to the SARS outbreak back in 2002 or so. Right. So we're now, um, we now have more confirmed outbreaks, or sorry, we now have more confirmed coronavirus infections than the SARS had in total. Right. Um, much lower uh, mortality rates so far, although that data is always like pretty tricky to deal with because um, confirmed infections tend to lead to death rate because gotcha. it takes a while to you know, um, to die Catch and, up. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, I think the, the the bigger thing is like the infections aren't really slowing down. They're they're spreading. You know, they're, they're, we're getting human to human transmission in more countries, not fewer. Every major city in China is being affected, and um, the big risk here is that you take what's traditionally like the sort of the trough of the West Coast freight markets, uh, the Chinese New Year impact, you deepen that and extend it kind of, um, you know, indefinitely. No yeah, because really we, don't, we don't know. I mean, it's still getting worse. So as that's happening, they're still going to have trouble uh, fulfilling their contractual agreements. Right. Um, so that's going to drag on West Coast volumes and ultimately on North American freight volumes. I was um, gonna say, it, it's not just a West Coast situation because we have seen this uh, shifting of volume to the East Coast here in the recent months, if you will. The port of New York, New Jersey is growing. Uh, a, right. As a consequence, the outbound volumes out of the New York uh, right. market. Elizabeth, especially. Elizabeth, New Jersey have been growing. Um, so it's going to, and that takes about six weeks to show up there. So again, spring, may have a pretty decent impact. Now, the good news, I guess, if you're in freight, is that those market, the trucking markets don't necessarily depend on that volume in the spring and summer months. A lot Correct. of that happens Correct. in the fall and winter. Right, right. right. So, um, 
depending on what kind of retail goods are, are kind of in season, certain customers may be more or less affected. Mm -hmm. We do know that, you know, the inventory to sales ratio is back up around 1.4, which is sort of like a historic um, sort of kind of high, high normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of the inventory to sales ratio has been strange in the nineties. Right. It was really high. Um, then there was this whole sort of movement toward like lean shipping and things like that that brought it down very right. low. And then the rise of e-commerce with the pre-positioning of inventory close to consumers in multiple locations has brought it back up. up. 1.4 is, is like an equilibrium level. That's kind of where they are now. So I think there's plenty of room to run for shippers or customers to run that down if they need to. Right. Um, so far, I, you know, I don't think there's no... The impact hasn't been that great, right? So far, we're still sort of seeing um, the normal Chinese New Year effect emerge. Whether it gets, how much worse it gets and for how long it's like that, that, that kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, and we're, and we're also in this uh, kind of contracting space anyway because of the trade uh, war situation being, you know, right. I guess near resolved, but not really resolved. But... You know, we're not seeing the influx of freight coming into the United States like we were last year. Yeah, I mean, directionally, um, I think the trade war has sort of shifted toward de-escalation. And mm -hmm. so I think shippers are going to be less panicked about, you know, needing to, like, rush freight onshore right. to avoid more tariffs. That doesn't seem to be what markets expect. Right. Well... I guess we'll have to see. Uh, yeah. We've got about four to six weeks before we really start to see the beginning of this uh, impact. But in the meantime, LA is already softening Soft. quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. So we'll find out. Well, that'll do it for this week's On the Spot. Thanks again for watching, and everyone have a great week.